0: Good morning. My name is Clark Morris. I'm a deacon here at the Heartland Church of Christ. And it's my honor to get to uh, spend a few moments uh, be, being able to try to deliver a lesson to you. But I have to start by telling you that I uh, have a confession to make. I did a church party foul during communion, and that when I went for the juice, I went with these two fingers and this finger kind of dipped down into another one of the uh, communion cups. And I thought that was really funny because I thought, you know, this, this whole ritual is to remind you that you make mistakes, that you're not perfect. And here, I can't even do this without making a mistake, right? And so, but I did sort of correct myself and then I switched the one I was going to and I went to the one my finger went into. So none of the rest of you in my section had to drink that. So you're fine, but you're covered by the blood of Jesus anyway. So those germs, you know, don't don't worry about them. I uh, have had the privilege uh, to be able to work with a group of people here at Heartland in the Heartland Search Committee as we have been searching for a new full time preaching minister. And I have to uh, I want to tell you that um, we have a great group of people that are dedicating lots and lots of hours towards this process. And I want to just update you on this process since I'm up here. And, uh, you know, as you know, uh, the first of July, uh, we put a notice out to the world that we were looking for a minister and the profile uh, of who we're looking for and uh, who we think we are as a church is back there and, of course, open for you to read. We have um, had a number of candidates that have applied from uh, not just across the country, but around the world, uh, because it's uh, we do have notices out uh, on the uh, World Wide Web, and we have uh, been culling through those candidates, and we've uh, been narrowing down to people that we uh, want to talk to, and we've actually talked to, um, we did uh, initial uh, sort of phone screening interviews with about four people, and we are doing a series of video interviews with uh, three of those uh, people. We did two of them last week, and we anticipate doing another one this week. That's not to say that these won't be all of the candidates that we look at in that intimate of way, But way, um, but of the candidates we've received so far, uh, we have about that many people that we feel, uh, at least to this point, uh, are, are qualified to be at this level of the search. And, of course, our goal is, as a committee, is to bring it down to two or three people that we feel really solid about that would uh, be excellent candidates that we will will then hand those people over to the elders and they'll discern uh, who our uh, final person is that we ought to offer the position to. So at any point, if you have any questions, please come up to me or any member of the search committee and we'll be happy to share um, how the process is going we do uh, try to keep the candidates confidential because a number of them, as you might imagine, uh, have other preaching jobs and don't want to uh, be uh, officially known to their congregation as a candidate. As we've been working through this process, I've been thinking about the idea of being a seeker, of being a seeker. You know, sometimes being a seeker is uh, a very helpful thing it can lead to good results. And, uh, you know, I don't know, my wife and I, uh, Stephanie and I, we watch the show Survivor, which is one of those reality shows that's had a pretty enduring uh, run on television. And so if you watch Survivor, you know that uh, the process is eliminating uh, all the people until they get down to one person who's the winner, who wins the million dollars. And there is a thing they call the immunity idol, and an immunity idol, if you have that, that means that for when you become to an immunity vote, you are saved. And so that idol is always hidden somewhere in the, their surroundings. Generally, uh, they're in tropical sort of uh, beach-like locations and jungles. And so uh, it's always hidden somewhere. And if there's always a couple of people who are really good at finding that idol, and it's interesting to me to watch people kind of sit back and then watch other people who are intent on being a seeker go out and find that aisle because it gives them an advantage in the game. But other people sort of sit back and think, well, I'm just going to watch uh, and i will well, just see if, this, if someone else finds it. They're a little bit afraid to be a seeker. As a child, I was known as a person that could find things. I'm not really sure why that was, but in our house growing up, uh, there were four of us kids and my mom and dad. If someone uh, was frustrated and couldn't find something, they would say, well, ask Clark about it. He can find it. And for whatever reason, I almost always could come up with what someone was had lost and that they were seeking. And generally, I think a couple of reasons uh, contributed to my ability to be a good seeker. One was I have a pretty good memory for things and uh, not all things. I probably won't remember your name, but I can. But but, but for things in our household, I I could uh, I could visualize and I could find if I'd seen it, then I could find it. And also, I was determined. Meaning frequently, I'd find that I was more willing to seek out what was lost than the person that had actually lost it. Now, I don't know why that is, but I just wouldn't stop until I found it. So I was a pretty good seeker. I think probably there are probably people here in the audience that are good seekers. And we would call you probably today good Googlers, right? Right. Because now when we are seeking something, what do we do? There's always someone among us that says, OK, I'll Google it. I'll find it. And so maybe there are probably people here that are, would say, yeah, I'm a good Googler. I can find it. There's an answer out there, and I'm going to find that answer. I'm going to seek it out. I'm going to Google it out. And I, I tend to be that person in conversation because I think, you know, if the answer's out there, I want to know it. I want to find it. And we have an amazing ability today to be able to seek to find information. You know, we've seen some remarkable examples in our congregation the last few weeks of people who are seekers. Uh, We saw a couple of weeks ago uh, Lisa Elmer be baptized after spending her life seeking out salvation through God and really wrestling with uh, the ability to find God in her life and then finding God and grabbing hold of him and and recognizing Jesus as her her savior and being baptized in these waters. A person that never gave up seeking. That inspires me. You know, uh, D. Witt was also an incredible seeker. She loved to be able to find people that she could show appreciation to and love to. She would. She was an incredible ability to find a person that needed a sucker, to find a person that needed a hug. And I also will uh, always remember being in Bible class with Dee and her confidence in seeking God and knowing that God was here in her faith. And so we won't ever forget Dee and that example that she set for us. And of course, as we mentioned, you know, we're as a church, we're seeking out. Uh, A new minister. And I believe that God is going to lead a minister to us if we are steadfast in our search. But being a seeker is actually a fairly biblical concept. In fact, the Bible talks all the time about seeking that we should be seekers. First Chronicles 16 and verse 11 says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. And a little bit, I'm going to talk a little bit about Uh, Seeking the face of God, the face of God. And so I want you to remember that scripture. And Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29 says, But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. Brothers and sisters, that is an incredible promise that we have. That if you seek God, you will find him. God will not remain hidden from you. That if you want God in, here, in your life, if you want him, he's there. Now, many people, I think, in life feel like God should seek me out. And actually, God did seek you out and that he cares for you. He loves you. He wants you to be a part of his family. But there is something that is required of you. As well. And that you also need to be a seeker. And my guess is the reason that you're here is that you are a seeker. That you have a sense that God is out there and you want God to be a part of your life. So congratulations. Being a seeker is a biblical thing. Psalm 27 and verse 4 says, one thing I ask from this from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. It's a beautiful verse that not only is seeking God uh, something that we should do, but it should be the focus of our life, that that should be the focus, that our search for God that our seeking of God should be our focus. You know, as we read through the Old Testament, we see all these stories about people who were seeking God and God's people. In fact, the Old Testament is the story of God's people and their search for him. But we see them run into all kinds of trouble. So there was this king called Rehoboam, and I I just wonder what his buddies called him, right? Did they call him Boam or did they call him Reho? So one of those things I'm sure they called him. But Rehoboam was this king of Israel. And he actually uh, was not a great seeker of God. In fact, he sort of took God for granted and he started seeking out other gods. So he had one good thing, uh, one good quality in that he had faith that there is a spiritual realm and that there is a there is gods out there. I mean, he had had a sense that I need to seek out. But he went in the wrong direction. He started seeking other gods And so uh, that did not go well for him. And it did not make God happy because Rehoboam is supposed to be the king of his people. And so God starts to let these other nations and their gods start to rain down on King Rehoboam and the kingdom of Israel and his cities start to be overtaken. And so Rehoboam uh, is confused by that. And so he. Uh, But in 2 Chronicles, verse 12, it says that King Rehoboam is attacked by all of his enemies. And it says that he did evil because he had not not set his heart on seeking the Lord. And finally, a prophet comes and has the voice of the Lord to tell King Rehoboam that God says that if you're not going to seek for me, I'm going to let your enemies who are seeking you have you. I'm going to let them attack you because I've got to get this across that if you don't seek me, if you don't focus on me, if you let your energy and your passion be focused on other things in this life, if you let your spiritual energy be used towards other gods or what you perceive as other gods, then I'm not going to protect you because you've got to understand that I'm the one that you should be seeking. And I want to talk a little bit about the level of seeking that God is asking us for. You know, I said when we first read First Chronicles 16, that there are many verses that talk about seeking God's face. And so the reason that it says God's face in relationship to seeking him is that the writer is trying to emphasize the intimacy that God At the level that God wants us to seek him, meaning that God doesn't just want us to seek him to uh, to be attached to his hands and the blessings that come from his hands or to be attached to uh, his back. And so we just see him from afar and we kind of there's this distant God. God desires an intimate relationship with you. One face to face relationship. And actually, uh, it's even greater than face to face. It is a relationship that has to deal with God being in presence with you. And in fact, uh, the writer, uh, when they use the word face, they actually that the most accurate translation of that word is presence, that God that you're seeking God's presence presence in your life. Now let me try to uh, bring this into a realm that maybe that I can understand and that you can understand. So um, if you're seeking God's presence, if you think about relationships in your life, think about uh, for me I'll think about my marriage to Stephanie. So on June 26, almost said it wrong. June 26th, 1992 uh, Stephanie and I stood face to face. And uh, there we committed to each other that we were going to be in a very serious relationship, a marriage relationship. So serious that we even uh, acknowledged that that God was going to join us together and our spirits were going to be um, one. And that that seeking out of another person that you want to have that level of intimacy with, that level of Presence in your life. It's powerful. And when we are together, it gives me great comfort. And her presence, her physical presence with me gives me a lot of comfort. It, it makes gives me peace in my heart. But next week, in fact, next Sunday, i am traveling to New York City. And even though we'll be apart, I can feel Stephanie's presence in my life. And it gives me peace. And I know that we are aligned and that we are working on our family and we are working our way through life together. We're walking together, even though physically we'll be apart. That's the kind of presence that God wants in your life. He wants that level of relationship. In fact, he wants that times 10 if he can get it. And he's asking you to seek him at that level. To say to God, God, I want to be face to face with you. I want you in my life so that you're you're present in my life. And so that when I walk around, I have this peace knowing that you are with me, even though physically no one can see you here. But people can see by my actions that I recognize that we are connected, that we that you are present in my life and that we have relationship See, seekers do that by setting their hearts and minds on God. You do that in a marriage relationship by setting your heart and your mind on your spouse. You do that in relationship with God by setting your heart and your mind on God. And so we see in First Chronicles, verse 22 and verse 19, it says, now set your heart and mind and on God to seek the Lord, your God. And then we see that in the New Testament, in Colossians three verses one through two, where it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on earth. You see, the things on earth are great obstacles towards a constant mode of seeking out God. Earth has a way of distracting you from God. And why is that? Well, it's it's pretty natural, actually, because we tend to think about to be reminded of the things that are physically present around us. You see, we're much better at believing in things that are physical than we are about believing in things that we cannot see. But the reality is that all of us believe in all kinds of things that we cannot see. All of us have faith. A couple of weeks ago, I was having dinner with a a business associate of mine, and he was just expressing his lack of faith in God. And he was like, you know, I can't believe in something that I cannot see. And I was I, I said to him, but you believe in all kinds of things you cannot see. You believe in gravity and you can't see it. I said, do you believe that George Washington was the president of the United States, was the first president? He said, well, of course, everybody believes that. It's like, well, how, how do you know that? I said, well, because because people have told me, I said, well, well, people have told you about God. I said, well, there's there's these this, you know, there's history that's written down. I said, well, there's the, the most ancient history in the world is the history of God and his relationship with people. And it's all written down. And so there are all kinds of things that. That we that we cannot see that we all believe in. You know, one of the things uh, when we talk about relationship, you know, you can't see love that Stephanie and I have a connection. It's invisible. But I know it's there. I know it's there. I believe in it. And so I also believe in God. I know he's there. And I suspect, again, because you're here today, you also know He's there. And so I encourage you to seek his face, his presence and to be setting your mind and your hearts on God and that you overcome the obstacle of this life, this physical life from keeping you from doing that. So. A part of that, I think, is is pride, right, because. Our own personal pride can get in the way of us seeking God. You know, so it's like, well, if God wants me, he can seek me out. You know, Uh, he can dial me up. He can Google me. Right. Google my name. But I think we realize that um, we want to have the humility that's essential to seeking the Lord. Psalm 10 verse four says in the pride of his face, the wicked do not see him. Do not seek him. And so in and First Chronicles, verse 28 and nine says the great is a great promise to those who seek the Lord is that he will be found. If you seek him, he will find you. And I think that seeking is an important activation of your faith. You know, some people know that God's there. It's like some people on Survivor know that there is uh, an, an, uh, this uh, object out there that will save them. And a lot of people in life know that God's there, but they don't activate that. They don't make that active. And I'm encouraging you to have an active faith, one that is acknowledged as a seeker of God, that you are seeking him and that that. You become a person that has a faith that is uh, so strong That God is in your heart and your mind always. And so as we walk around here on this earth, these physical things don't disrupt us from being seekers. You know, in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, it talks about faith. And, you know, many of us would like to know, how can I how can I print money? How can I do something that will just, you know, uh, will just work? oodles of cash will be coming out of my pockets and um, Hebrews chapter 11 has the answer to that Hebrews chapter 11 says that if you have a strong faith that it's more valuable than gold the finest gold a strong faith is more valuable than the finest gold gold DeWitt believed that. And I want you to believe that because without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what the Hebrew writer told us. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What is earnest seeking mean? It means that in your private of private moments. You didn't. Seek out God, just to make other people happy, to make your parents happy, to make uh, your spouse happy, to make your family happy. That in your private moments, that you say to God, God, I'm seeking you. I want to be a part of you. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to know you intimately. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want your ways to be my ways. I want to be I want my steps to be your steps. I want you to use my life, whatever life I have left here on earth, to be activated by you, God. Use my life, God, for you in your kingdom so that you will be glorified. Seekers are. Acting on their faith. They can see the unseen. Why is it special to be able to see the unseen? First Peter 1 verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, there's a lot there. Inexpressible and glorious joy. So I can't express this level of joy to you, but this is the level of joy available to you if you will seek God. Inexpressible joy. And that kind of joy leads to or that kind of faith leads to the salvation of your soul. That God will forever hold you in his hand. And whether you have life on earth or you have death, you are with him. And you are saved by him and you will always be a part of God and his family. You'll be with him. Luke 11 chapters 9 and 10 gives us this universal truth about God. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him. That is a phenomenally important universal truth about God. That if you seek him, regardless of what else happens to you on this earth, regardless of what disease you have, regardless of what illness you have, regardless of your ability, regardless of whether you live here in Kansas City or anywhere else on the earth, if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him. He is only hidden from those who don't want to find him. Let me say that again. God is only hidden from those who don't want to find him. There's no one here in this auditorium today that cannot find God. Isn't that an amazing, powerful, joyful truth about our God, that he wants you, that he is not hiding from you, that if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek his face, you will find him. I believe that these scriptures and these examples give us. A. Model. That says that there needs to be a certain intensity to our seeking a certain drive, a certain energy, a certain persistence. Jesus himself said, so I say to you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find knock and the door shall be open to you. But if you sit back and you watch other people knock on the door. If you sit back and just say, well, I just want to watch people go in and out of the door and see what happens. You can find him today, but you need to knock. You need to ask. And most of all, you need to seek. You know, I, I noticed today that not everybody was on time in worship, and I'm not going to make you uh, point you out or you know, make you raise your hand. But I, what I want to say is, is, it's okay. It's okay because uh, I think you know, several of you probably have young kids, and I know that on uh, on days when you got an extra hour and you should be early. You know, when we were raising our kids and they were young, we were still late. But I want to say it's okay. It's okay because the most important thing is that you're seeking. Sometimes life gets in the way. There's physical things that get in the way of of your search. But you are seeking. And that's the most important thing. And if you're not quite on time, don't worry about it. Just make sure that your kids know, that your spouse knows, that you're seeking. We're coming because we're seeking. We're seeking God. We are gathered together, and we're, uh, we rarely start a meal on time at our house. But let me tell you, those meals are going to be good, and we're going to enjoy them. And we're going we're to pause, and we're going to say, we're going to celebrate this meal in our family because we're seeking God. We're on a path with God. And we want to see God face to face and we are going to eat this meal and live this life and walk in this world seeking God and being seekers of him. And I invite you this morning. Brothers and sisters, to be a seeker of God, to renew your intensity, to be one of his, to walk with him. To be with him face to face. And if you feel like you've been seeking him and you're ready to uh, you're you're ready to put him on uh, Christ on in baptism. You have this opportunity today. And if you're ready to intensify that search in any way. Or you want the strength of prayer with your search. You can Come as we stand and sing today.